Hello, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast where we teach you how to travel the world while making an income or multiple incomes online. Uh, so on these series of interviews, we've been uh, interviewing digital nomads from around the world. Uh, we've covered places as far as uh, uh, Bali, Indonesia. We've covered uh, Mexico. We've covered uh, England and uh, Cape Town. Um, I'm actually in French Guyana of all places, which is in uh, the northeast of South America. Our friend and co-host Scott is over in Croatia, and we have a very special we have a very special couple who are interviewing today. We're actually in the middle of the Caribbean in Saint Vincent. And uh, for those of you who are listening or watching who don't know much about Saint Vincent, uh, we'll we'll uh, make sure we ask uh, these guys a little bit about uh, the country there, the island, living in the Caribbean, and especially we're going to be focusing on the digital nomad journey. Uh, so to start off, Yvonne uh, and Michael, why don't you uh, share a little bit about yourselves and uh, your journey? Um, you know, uh, you're actually from the same city that we are, Vancouver, BC, Canada, and now you've ended up in the Caribbean. We've ended up in South America, and uh, our friend Scott's over there in Europe. So tell us a little bit of your backstory, please. Go ahead. Okay. Like many British Columbians, we were working really hard. We had two cars. You know, we had the big house. We were working long hours and just felt like we were on the treadmill. We were just spinning. And uh, a friend died of a nasty disease and we asked ourselves if we had something like that happen to us, would we have any regrets? And the regret was not to see the world. And so we decided to do something about it. Yeah. And uh, my, my background is I, I'm from the same alma mater as you. I have a mechanical engineering degree from the University of British Columbia. <laughs> and I worked 20 years as a um, as a consultant in the oil and gas industry and just came to the point where uh, I wanted to change in my life. So five years ago, we decided to rent out the house in Vancouver and uh, we've been traveling and house sitting full time ever since for the last five years. So and we're, we're loving every moment of it. So tell us a bit about how you got into house sitting because that's a fascinating way, in my opinion, to travel the world. And so first of all, what is a house sitter? What, is it, what do they do? What are their responsibilities? And then maybe a little bit about how you got into it and maybe a couple tips on people that are sure. interested in doing it. Okay. Well, house sitting has been around for a very long time. And how we do it is we don't charge for our services. There are some people that do. But because we use it as a means of traveling, we do a straight exchange. So we look after the house, the pets, water the garden, make sure the home is secure. And we get free accommodation. We don't pay for any bills. We don't pay for any internet. We don't pay for phone. We usually get use of a car. And so we get ourselves there. We put gas in the car and we feed ourselves. Yeah. And the, and the way we uh, discovered this is, like I said, five years ago, we'd, we'd made the decision. We, we made the intention to quit the rat race and travel, to follow our, our uh, passion for travel. So in the process of determining how we were going to uh, make that work financially, we started looking at different options. We, we knew because we had a house in Vancouver, we started looking at house swapping first. But the logistics of traveling full time and, and you know, setting up house swaps all the time just wasn't going to work for us. And then uh, with a little bit of internet research, Yvonne came across the concept of house sitting. Mm -hmm. And we said, this looks great. So we signed up for one of the uh, online platforms that basically act as kind of a matchmaking service. It's, you know, with the internet, it's allowed homeowners in Vancouver or homeowners in, in Europe or the Caribbean to connect with anyone in the world. 
So we joined up and we applied for a very first house sit in Tuscany, Italy. And uh, we showed up there uh, just near Luca and fell in love with it. We thought if, if this is what house sitting is all about, we're, we're in. Absolutely. So tell us about the last five years. I mean, uh, uh, it's one thing for, to leave Vancouver, BC, Canada and now end up in the Caribbean uh, and in between Italy, of course. But tell us a little bit about the five years. Uh, where have you visited? Uh, what kind of houses have you done? Any highlights or lowlights? Mostly highlights. We started off in Europe. Uh, the main reason being that we wanted to explore Europe and also wanted to see my family who are English. And the first house it was in Tuscany, just outside of Luca. We thought we'd gone to heaven without the inconvenience of dying. We, we fell in love with it. It was beautiful. We had a 300 degree view and uh, just sitting watching the rolling hills. It was just fantastic. We also, in Europe, we also set up sits in Spain and France. We actually looked after a vineyard in France, complete with a wine warehouse. So we were happy there. And then we took the rest of the time and we explored around Europe. So I think we explored 14 countries while we were in Europe. Yeah, we were also in uh, in London during the 2012 Olympics. Uh, we had a, a homeowner decided to uh, get out of Dodge and uh, escape all the craziness. So we were more than happy to look after their uh, 15th century Tudor home and uh, take in the Olympics uh, at the same time. So uh, um, after that, we, we've um, that was our first first summer house sitting, which was a pretty good introduction to it. We've also house sat in Belize, uh, in Central America, we've house sat in uh, uh, San Jose, Costa Rica, in Panama, and then uh, for the last four years, we've almost been house sitting exclusively in the uh, Caribbean islands. Uh, we've been bouncing around between St. Lucia, St. Vincent, Barbados, uh, and Grenada. We've uh, built up a, a clientele that basically keep us busy about 10 months of the year house sitting in the Caribbean. So. Mm -hmm. Last year we also house sat in Ecuador and Mexico. So we got to do some exploring there as well, which is great. Cool. So you can pretty much do this anywhere in the world. And I really, I want to emphasize one thing that you said because I had never thought of it the way that, that you discussed it, but you can set up like these are the 10, like the four countries I want to spend most of my time in. And then you've got, you know, one or two people in all those countries that now know you and are whenever you're going to, they're going to go away for any length of time, you're the obvious people for them to first contact. And yeah. so it's because when I first think of house sitting and my experience of house sitting has been, you know, well, I can go for, you know, two weeks way over there and then another two weeks way over there and bounce all over the place. And it's just very chaotic, but it sounds to me like you've got this very well organized so that it just becomes part of your lifestyle. And who wouldn't want to, you know, spend a couple months on one island and a few weeks on another island and then, uh, you know, another month here and another month there and, and get to enjoy uh, a pretty nice lifestyle? Well, it's, it, it is a really nice lifestyle. And, and that's, when we first started, we weren't sure how the logistics were going to work out in terms of stringing it together. But there's been a couple things that we've discovered. First of all, uh, even though some of the house sitting platforms are very popular, like some of them have what uh, twenty thousand uh, oh, potential house sitters on them, uh, what we've found, especially in areas where there's a, a larger expat community, is there's a there's a pent up demand, mm -hmm. and that combined with um, a 
homeowner's trepidation to invite a total stranger in, into their home. Once, once you break in and once you uh, make a connection in, a, in, a, um, in an island or a neighborhood or a country, uh, once you get into the community and you get a name for yourself, uh, we find that we, we have more house sits than we know what to do. We've actually created a, a small group of fellow house sitters that we, that we know and trust and if we can't um, house sit for a client, we can recommend other sitters to them and uh, so we've got this little network going. It's, a, it's, a, it's a truly a sharing community between us, the homeowners, and our fellow sitters. So we're kind of all watching out for each other's back. Yeah. Um, and the, the I, other, want, I want to get into that community, I'll tell you right now. Uh, I've, well, been focus up, focus I have been doing some volunteer workaways and I'm beginning to notice, I only started in January, but I'm, what you're talking about in that there's already two or three places that I've been where I know, particularly if it's off season or shoulder season, that they want me to come back, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's just because they loved having me around and, and I was very helpful in the areas that I was helping them in and that sort of thing. So I can really see, uh, you know, developing a network and then, and sure it takes a little bit of time, but once you've developed it, you now have a tremendous life. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you started earlier talking about um, house sitters bouncing around from point to point, and there are some house sitters that do that. But when we started, we decided that we were going to do like a continent or an area. So we had Europe and then South America. And then we got this offer in the Caribbean, and I actually had to talk Mike into going and doing it because he said, well, it's so far away. And I said, no, but it would be really cool. And we got one sit, and then we added another one, and then we added another one. And before you knew it, we had four months in the Caribbean. Uh, this year we have 10? Yeah, 10 months altogether back-to-back. Back. So we, we've managed to string 10 months of back-to-back uh, -back house sitting in the Caribbean with I think maybe two weeks uh, downtime in, in the interim. Probably not even that. And uh, you know what, what's funny, once we've built our clientele, we, we have a, a website with our calendar and our, our, <laughs> our, our, client, our clients actually work their holidays around our schedule so we can you know, and, they, and our client, they talk to each other about, you know, well, they when they're going to go. Some of them talk to each other, yeah. some of them know each other. So um, that's kind of cool too. Yeah. yeah. And, and really referrals. Neat. This year we've got so many, we've got new sits which are basically referrals. They're a neighbor yeah, and they're all beautiful ocean view villas. So we can't complain at all. You have a, a book out or a complimentary report, I'm not sure, I'm on your website called What Everyone Ought to Know About House Sitting. So what I'd yes. like you to do is tell us a little bit about the book and give us one thing that everyone ought to know about house sitting, because I'm sure there's more than one in the book, but what would be kind of like your favorite one? Well, I, it really, the, the, um, the, the free report, is, it's a, it's a 5,000-word report, um, and basically what we wanted to do is just lay out the bare bones of what you need to know in order to launch yourself into a lifestyle of house sitting. So we go through... Uh, I, I believe we have 10 steps to, mm -hmm. to walk through, uh, where to find the house sets, what house sitting, what the house sitting lifestyle can afford you. But I think the most important message to uh, prospective house sitters is to come from a place of service. I, I, I think there's a lot of people who think, you know, it, it sounds like a really cool lifestyle, which it is. But I think to be successful, you have to approach it from the perspective of how can I help the homeowner? What, what skills and what can I do to help uh, the homeowner, 
you know, leave their home in the, in the hands of uh, Yvonne and myself, feel comfortable leaving. Uh, so that, that, I think that's the main point. And I guess the second point is, is when you're first breaking in, is to be able to um, portray that, uh, portray being able to provide a service to a house sitter through a really strong marketing message. Because uh, when you first break in, uh, there, there can be a lot of competition for, for these type of house sets. So you need to know how to communicate effectively to a potential house sitting client so they go, you're the person I want to look after my Caribbean villa. Yeah. yeah. And there's, there's different ways of doing that. Uh, you've, got to, you've got to be able to stand out from the crowd. And you've got to be able to talk to, talk to their needs. You know, if they say they need somebody to look after, to save Obi the Doberman from falling leaves and protect Feisty Foxy, you've got to be able to address that when you start talking to them. But I think the biggest thing, um, the biggest benefit, and the thing that most people won't do, is just do a short video. We call it we call it the secret weapon. You just do a short video and you post it, introducing yourselves. And we have clients coming to us saying, "I feel I know you already just from that little video." That's a great tip. Thank you. So uh, you saved a lot in terms of the accommodation, and one of the big, uh, the um, I guess, barriers of travel is because people can't afford to stay in hotels around the world. So uh, by eliminating that through house sitting is a great way. Uh, what I do is I do uh, sponsored travel, so I cut my cost of accommodation by getting them sponsored, and in return, I do uh, blog reviews of the hotels and resorts we stay in. Yvonne, obviously you need to still generate income to eat and to to sightsee, et cetera. So what kind of stuff are you doing uh, to make money uh, while you're on the South City journey? Well, I mean, we, we do have some assets back home, but what we do to supplement our income is we write. I started travel writing initially and wrote some articles for International Living, which developed into a very good relationship with the editors and he wanted a couple of pieces on house sitting and that morphed into us writing a um, it's basically it lives on its own website so it's a house sitting product which is marketed by international living to their database and because we we provided the material we, we jointly wrote it with international living and so we get part of the sales every time they make a sale which makes a, a very nice little income for us International Living is a terrific magazine. I've been a subscriber for many years, and, and I love the writing that's in there. And I'm thinking, I don't remember them trying to sell me that book, because I'm pretty sure I would have bought it. So, <laughs> Just Google it. Just yeah. go onto their bookstore, and, and, house and also from a, um, a marketing point of view, it's nice to have the uh, Agora company, the, the people who that's kind right. of wrote the book on the model, to, yeah. uh, to be promoting your material as well. Yeah, absolutely. But we also, to keep us, uh, keep our minds flexible and to, so we don't get too, too bored, we've actually started writing our own ebooks as well. And uh, Roaring Gecko Media is um, our, um, what, page, what would you call it? Well, it's, it's the, uh, our, 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 our brand, is our, our brand. brand. So we've, we've written uh, four books that we've uploaded to Amazon uh, over the last couple of years. And, you know, it's, it, it's, it, it 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 gives us some beer money, um, it, but it's it's also it is really, I think it, there's a lot of potential with it, and it, it just the technology blows me away that uh, we can be sitting in the Caribbean and write a, a word document and then upload it to the Amazon platform and have the ability to, you know, market it to the whole world. It, it really is mm -hmm. is pretty amazing what yeah. what you can do. 
And then the books are resource books. One of them is uh, selling off the travel loan. When it covers the whole process of how we emptied and downsized a four-bedroom house, how we set ourselves up to be digital nomads. Because there's a lot involved. You've been there yourself. You know, just the banking and the mail and what you do with the stuff and the things you don't want to get rid of. And we don't have storage lockers. We've condensed everything down to about eight, eight banker's boxes, which are in, in your mom's basement. Mm. <laughs> Good for you. That's great. I have about 15. Oh, that's not too bad. That's not too bad. Yeah, that, that is quite the process of, uh, of, of downsizing and minimalizing. It's not, you realize it's not only about stuff, but also the, uh, the emotions and the, and the memories and a lot of the um, stuff that goes along with it. There's a, lot, you, There's a lot of history with all those little things, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Cool. So tell us a little bit about your uh, Globetrotter's Guide to Travel Insurance, because I think that's a, um, a topic that is like, if there was ever kind of something that was an enigma inside a mystery wrapped around a puzzle inside of Rubik's Cube, it is travel insurance. Absolutely. Well, I mean, that, that really came from, from uh, personal experience. Uh, first of all, to put in perspective, I, I took a gap year when I was in my late 20s and I traveled uh, a backpack around the world for a year. I've, I've always had the, the, the wanderlust. And I was thinking back, um, I, I don't think I traveled with travel insurance back then because I guess, you know, you're 27, you're invincible and nothing is going to happen to you. Well, I mean, we don't take the same approach anymore because as you get a little older and you have some assets, you realize you have some liabilities if you, if you get sick. And that came, that came home a couple of years ago when I ended up in the hospital with uh, deep vein thrombosis and ended up with a, a pulmonary embolism. So I just about met my maker. But the thing that uh, really made us think about the travel insurance is uh, five days later, we would have been in Honduras. So luckily we were, at home, we had access to uh, really decent medical care, and I, I came out of it the other end uh, unscathed. But uh, it just pointed out, A, um, things can happen out of the blue. Uh, B, you need to be prepared. And then also what provoked writing of the book was the experience that we had dealing with the insurance companies afterwards. Yeah. Because the, the, the problem with travel insurance is basically a, uh, a legal contract that you're entering into and you have, if you don't read the fine print or don't know what you're buying, you may find out much to your chagrin that you didn't know what you're buying and you may not have coverage when the yeah. proverbial muck hits the fan. So it's... And by then it's too late. So we you're decided to, we decided to uh, research the topic, get into it and... And you know that the problem with uh, with insurance, it, it's it, you know, negotiating it is like <laughs> sticking red hot pokers in your eyes. It's it's that much fun. So we try to uh, write it from a uh, a very practical point of view of uh, you know what you need to look for, how you get the coverage you need without spending a fortune, and and that the result of that was the uh, Globe Globetrotter's Guide to Travel Insurance. Yeah. And we do travel with travel insurance. Always. Absolutely. Always. Yeah. Cool. So tell us about uh, how you simplified everything. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Um, well, we had a four-bedroom house and stuff, full of stuff. 
once we made the decision, it was a lot easier than expected to stop buying more stuff and filling more stuff. And we sold stuff mostly through, um, through Craigslist was one. So basically furniture, the big items, they went through Craigslist. We did garage sales. We donated a lot to charity. Um, we even on several of our farewell parties, what was left in the garage, it's like every, every friend had to take something to remember us <laughs> with. And so we got rid of some stuff that way. It was a, a very liberating experience. It was, it's, it's, it's quite cathartic in many ways, getting rid of all the stuff that you don't really need. And as the house got emptier and emptier, we, we just felt lighter and lighter. Yeah, that, so that was the physical stuff. And I mean, that, <laughs> I mean, going from a four bedroom house to 10 bankers boxes, it was, it was six months of uh, a lot of work. Yeah. Um, and, and as far as simplifying, um, the other areas in our life where we simplified was going paperless. And I mean, that's a concept that's out there. And it, in reality, that's taken us about four years to get to the point where we're basically. We get this much mail now. We, we have our mail to an absolute minimum. We're, we're basically paperless. We do all our banking, all our um, business transactions, you know, mo most everything on, online. But that, that took a lot of planning and preparation. Uh, the other area where we had to do some work on is with uh, banking and financing and finding a bank back in Canada that would facilitate our global ro roamings. So uh, we yeah. did a, a bit of research what bank would be able to facilitate uh, global travel and um, we, I think we had, we interviewed four banks and, yeah. and basically came down to the one that was going to help us out. So it was, okay. it was so multi a secret. What, what is, you know, bankers, they don't, they keep everything really private <laughs> and secret, but like what, which one, us, both of us are Canadian and we may be a while before we back, get back to Canada or we may need to go back to Canada to deal with some banks. So which, which one did you decide on? We actually settled with TD Canada Trust. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the re is bliss. I'm yeah. Scotiabank. Yeah. Scotiabank. Oh. Well, you yeah. know, you know, the the thing is, I think all the Canadian major banks are, uh, I mean, they're global in nature, and you you definitely see that in the Caribbean. The, the Canadian banks are everywhere. They're through the yeah. states. The, their technology is is top notch. But I think for us, what the clincher was, was having a a person in the branch and having a personal relationship with someone in the branch because uh, uh, and that was the case for us and that's what clinched the decision and that has uh, paid itself off in spades because I mean we've been in places like in Honduras where our bank machines aren't working yeah, and, we're, and debit our debit cards aren't, aren't working and if you want to um, uh, find out the definition of anxious is just not being able to get your money out of the bank and feeding yourself. That that uh, it's a really bad nice feeling when you put your card in the bank machine and the bank machine says, "Ciao, sorry," you know, and then yeah. you go into another one. So having, so, so having a person in 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 branch to be able to call up on the phone and, and have them sort you out in a matter of you know minutes, if not hours, is is huge. It's just it's really nice to have. A personal contact in the bank in the branch, and I would, I would, that'd be my recommendation. I mean, there's a lot of banks that have the technology and and, and can do the, the fancy stuff, but having someone to on the end of the phone is is huge as well. 
there were other advantages. The account we chose, although it has a monthly fee, unless you have a certain amount in the bank, which it's waived, uh, which we keep because that's our slush fund, that's our emergency fund just in case we need it. But we also have, so we have, we have no monthly fee. We get um, free, free ATM transactions apart from any transactions on this end. And what we've found throughout the Caribbean, if, if you go to a local branch, rather than Scotiabank or CIBC, the local banks don't usually charge you a, a ATM transaction fee. And so we've eliminated the transaction fees that way. Uh, they include a free safe deposit box. We've got a um, very good credit card with a, a no, free, no fee uh, package to it as well. So it was just the extra things that added up. And more importantly, the ability to move money around fairly easily, which was important to us. Huh. Well, uh, you guys have a wealth of info and travel, um, you know, uh, expertise here. Uh, there are other people who are still listening who maybe haven't made the travel dreams come true, who are wannabe digital nomads. So what advice or tips would you give to someone who wants to live the life you're living? Well, I, I think for me, um, uh, going to university, working in a career for 20 years, I think my biggest from my perspective, um, you know, being in my 40s was the, the um, leaving the comfort of a, of a career, leaving, um, you know, jumping off the cliff into the unknown, uh, having those uh, fears in the back of your head, you know, the what ifs, you know, what if, you know, what if I run out of money or what if this doesn't work out or you know, what if I have to live in, a, in a, a trailer in the middle of Saskatchewan when I retire? Uh, you know, all those fears, I think, are the biggest, um, the biggest things that would stop a lot of people and it and that was the hurdle I had to get over but what we found is once we made the decision to live this lifestyle um, doors started to open things started to happen that conspired to make this work and and what we found after after five years of uh, traveling is it you know the 99% of the problems that you come up with in your head are Didn't not going to happen and Didn't uh, materialize. so it, it's making it's having the confidence in yourself to make the leap and and uh, make the change I, I think also it's the process of visualization we spent a lot of time talking about what we wanted and we wrote it down we had the big whiteboard you know the, the whole power of attraction thing there's a lot to be said for it because five years in everything that we had visualized has come to pass we've written books we're living in ocean view villas now it's it's the power of the mind. The mind. Once you've got the decision and you decide to take action towards that decision, it does happen. Doors do open. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate everything that you've shared. And I know that, uh, and I'm sure Ricky would agree with me, that we want to have you on again and, and yeah. get some more details on a lot of the things that you've, you've shared and particularly around house sitting. Because, I mean, is, there is no problem if you can go and spend 10 months of the year in somebody else's house while they're not there. And I mean, that's a, that's a huge amount of our ex daily expenses looked after. <laughs> and to be able to, to do that in the Caribbean or in uh, you know, some, some of the most beautiful places in the world is definitely a dream come true. So I'm really excited to get to know you more uh, in the coming months and years. And, uh, Ricky, uh, any last words from you? 
Well, we're all from Vancouver, BC, Canada, so I'm sure our paths are going to cross somewhere on the road, whether back in Vancouver or in the Caribbean or uh, some other uh, country in this planet. So, uh, Yvonne and uh, Michael, if you want to just share quickly how people can find you and uh, feel free to plug your uh, ebooks or anything else uh, before we end off this uh, interview. Okay. No, you can go. Okay. Well, we have uh, we have a couple house or a couple websites. Our um, our house sitting website is theboches.com. www.theboches.com, and that's basically our um, I guess our business card, so to say, for 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 our house sitting business. And then you we have to spell that out because I, okay. I it's www.theboches is t h e B A U C H E S dot com. And then we also have um, a, a blog which we use just to document our travels. So it's our, our personal travel log, which we do have the uh, house sitting guide on, and that's youriscapeblueprint.com. All right. And for Facebook, we actually started a new group recently. It's Nomadic Retirement Living. And we are going to be uh, launching a website related to that in the next little while. And so if people join the group, it's a group of uh, fellow nomads who live somewhat of this same sort of lifestyle as we do. Yeah, so we're, we're targeting folks that are, are retired and want to spend uh, a lot more time traveling in their, in their retirement. That's, that's who we're talking to. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Our pleasure, and we look forward to it again. Yeah, thank you, Yvonne and Michael. Uh, definitely inspired, as I, I'm sure most of our listeners are. Uh, who wouldn't want to be living in the Caribbean uh, for free uh, 10 months of the year? So incredible. Uh, thanks, guys. Um, uh, and for those of you who are listening and watching, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube. And share this wealth of knowledge with those of us uh, who are maybe still dreaming and wanting and desiring to travel the world and make money. So thanks for uh, uh, tuning in to Digital Nomad Mastery, where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.